don't be asking girls, is it okay to kiss you? Is it okay to hold your hand? Even to that point of, is it okay if we have sex? You will never have sex with anyone. If you go around <laughs> saying, is it okay if we have sex? It's the most unattractive thing you could do. Such a lack of confidence, such a lack of social acuity to be able to read the room, read the energy, to be able to read her energy, to be able to read her social dynamics, to know whether she's comfortable or not. But I'm also very aware of those that would get too red pilly with it. Fuck these people, man. I'll just be this fucking alpha dominator and I wouldn't even care about the girl. No, not that either. Not the pink ribbon puddle of masculinity, which is just a pile of soft cheese melted in the sun, but also not the iron-wielding misogynist that's trying to destroy women. How about just the guy in the middle, the good guy? I have care for her. I have care for myself. I'm going to be direct of her. I'm going to be congruent of her. I'll be authentic of her. I cover with empathy, right? I respect her. I respect myself. I'd be honorable with her. I'd be honorable with myself. If she's uncomfortable, back it up. Find out why. Don't overstep it. If she, if it's something to do with her own internal trauma, seek to understand why. Right. Seek to understand this space. Keep it where it is. Right. Keep it clean. Keep it pure. Dance between masculine and feminine energy. How about that? How about just be that guy? <laughs> Welcome, my friends, to Dating Advice for Teenagers. If you're jealous, insecure, needy, you have no idea what it means to handle the dance between masculine and feminine energy, going through your first kiss, going through your first date, maybe going into your first sexually penetrative experiences, and maybe the idea of a more spiritual connection in terms of deleting your sense of self and time is bereft of you. You have no idea what that concept means. You have no idea what it means when a girl says to you, do you like me? And you think you require a direct answer there, so you don't understand the principles of direct congruent authenticity with empathy. You don't understand the sublingual communication of social dynamics. You just, what is all this? And then you're getting pulled across in all these different directions between Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all these social media platforms. Maybe you've just, I don't know if you can even get onto Tinder if you're at that age, probably not. But good, good, good for many reasons because all these different external paths, all these different external hooks, I should say, they will reel you into a sense of self-deprecation. They will reel you into a sense of not having mastery. And that is what today is about. Today is about if you are a teenager who is just, just lost, just lost, or if maybe you're a little bit older and maybe you're in your 20s, your 30s, and you are missing a lot of the things that I just described in your social wheelhouse, in your temple, as I would describe it as, you are very underdeveloped, socially poor, not only in social skill set, but in an emotional skill set, in your experiences with women, particularly for those of you that are getting into more sexual experiences when we talk about the insecurities and the anxieties that would arise at that time in terms of erectile dysfunction, psychologically induced though, not because you had a motorbike accident, but because you cannot get out of your mind because you had not cultivated a state of presence, a state of mindfulness in which that you could just sit into the pocket, sit into that moment, drink in that moment and be there to convey a true love. Not a love with a Disney fairy tale or Disney narrative, but love that it really is the essence of what life is, the fabric of our existence it is. So today is going to be about filling the holes, plant Drawing the journey and filling the holes for those of you that somehow got down the journey and maybe you're a 30-year-old with 16-year-old mentalities or you're a 16-year-old that is going to one day end up being a 30-year-old with 16-year-old mentalities. I want to cover every base here. I want to cover everything here. I'm fucking hyped up. Why is this? I already swore in the intro. <laughs> That's how you know I'm hyped up. It's because I received a direct message on Instagram that is just straight goofing. It's straight baffling. It is comical. It's hilarious. But it's real at the same time because surely all of us were here in the same place. We were all once raging emotional hormonal balls who had no idea about social dynamics. And it just so happens that many of us never eclipsed that. Many of you are still stuck in that stage if you're 20 or you're 30. But so whoever you are, we got something for you today. Let's get after it. 
This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life, helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to BoldDojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom, where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at BoldDojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash ADAMOOI. Link is down below in the description or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. Let's go. Let's get this direct message from this young 16-year-old who messaged me on Instagram. I'm going to refer to him as X, as always, keeping it anonymous. He says to me, Hey, I'm a 16-year-old boy and I have developed feelings for my best friend who I've been friends with for a year, but she likes someone else who happens to be her ex and I've been wanting to get out of the friend zone. And only since a few days ago, I've started to try and show her my intentions, which by the way, I might have done it in a very needy way. How do I get out of the friend zone? And also, I am fighting a losing battle here because I see that she likes her ex and is friends with him, and I haven't seen any major signs that she likes me. So is getting out of the friend zone actually possible? In this case, when there is major competition, aka her ex, or is it a shot in the dark? I responded to him asking for two follow-up contextual questions, which was, number one, can you explain to me what you meant by showing your intentions in a needy way? And then part two, have you ever directly stated your sexual intent towards her? He responded by saying, number one, So a few months ago, me and her used to hang out alone, and it was a great time. But now me, her, and her ex that she likes hangs out together, and I get jealous because they seem to like each other. And so when I was alone with her, she asked me if I like her. And I didn't confess, but was trying to sell myself to her, sort of saying stuff like, we'll be good together, and she might like the idea of her ex because it didn't work out last time. And by the looks on her face, it felt like she might have got the idea that I like her, and she was a little weird. Part two, in regards to him ever stating direct sexual intent. No, I haven't. I've told her I might have feelings for her, but I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm sort of friends with the ex too, and me and her ex were supposed to watch a football match together, but my Wi-Fi was down, so they watched it on call, even though she doesn't really watch football much, and stuff like this makes me extremely jealous. (laughs) And that is the... That is the end of the direct messages. So well, the reason why I'm laughing is uh, with straight compassion. This is why I said to him, I, I actually took the time to write out a pretty lengthy response to him on Instagram. And I began it with this, which is that extreme compassion from my end, which is while it is comical, it is very comical, the irrationality, the emotional irrationality of which the thought process and the social dynamic behavior this 16-year-old has executed. But it's compassion. I have compassion for it because I remember being that kid. I remember what it was like and your girlfriend goes out and hangs out at a friend's house with some other guys and there are other girls there as well and you just completely lose your shit. You completely lose your head. You lose everything because you assume the worst and you never take the time to understand where people are coming from and you don't have these principles of directness, which is the first thing we're going to describe right now. So let me say this right from the beginning before we get too deep in the weeds. Keep it tactical. Keep it pure. Simple. This story doesn't have to happen X with one change in social behavior, which 
makes is gonna is a bit of an oversimplification, and I'll describe the depths of what I just meant later on. But really, it all changes with one thing, and I think all of my OGs who are OGs of this content already know what I'm going to say, and it is this: if you had direct messaged me saying instead saying this, "Hey Adam, I just wanted your feedback because there's this girl that I really like. I've been friends with her for about a year." And so I just decided to take her to the park last week, sit her down and just said, hey, listen, Jenna, I feel like I've got these feelings for you. I think you're really cute. And I think there's a vibe between you and I. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I just had to get this off my chest because otherwise I couldn't live with myself. And quite frankly, I just can't walk throughout my day without thinking about this. So I just wanted to let you know exactly where I'm at. And this by no means requires you to do anything about it. Like this doesn't have to change our friendship. I just want to put it out there so you have we have a complete congruency between each other. There's complete clarity, complete understanding between you and I so that we can actually have a good friendship if that's all that you wanted to keep it as. And so I didn't feel like I was hiding anything from you. I'm going to shut up now and I want to hear everything you have to say. Done. If that was the story and if that was the message that X sends back to me right now, we don't have to discuss anything. The podcast ends effectively. The podcast ends at this point. Because what is he, what have I just displayed or what I just demonstrated right there is the key principles, which is where we should really put a hammer on this. Direct, congruent, authentic with empathy. What does that mean? Direct with intent. To be upfront and honest with every single person that you have in your life, every person that you engage in. Everyone knows the full clarity and the full extent of your feelings towards them, particularly in a sexual space, particularly in a dating and romantic space. Waste no time. Be as efficient and effective as possible. You don't waste your time. You don't waste their time. And to this point of... You notice what I threw in there. I threw in, this doesn't have to change anything about our relationship. You don't have to act upon this. You don't have to now conjure up feelings for me or if there, are, if there was like a burgeoning feeling there, it doesn't have to be fast-tracked. You know, she may well come back and say, oh, you know, I kind of feel the same thing about you, ex. Kind of feeling the same thing about you, but I'm not really sure. Like, kind of just feeling it out. Because he's already stated that, hey, nothing has to change here. She's been given free slack, free reign to be able to continue to develop said feelings if there were said feelings. Whereas, and as we're going to go back through the story, we're going to go back through what he actually did. Well, we can do it right now, actually, before we get up on too much of a tangent. Let's do it right now, which is that he describes speaking to her in some degree about what his intent was. Like That's what he said. He kind of tried to tell her his intent. <clears throat> and she asked him directly, do you like me? And he responded with a complete dodge, with a complete breaking of the direct principle by being indirect, by saying that, or was it specifically? By saying that we'll be good together. And he even used the words that I didn't confess and I was trying to sell myself. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Okay, so obviously it seems like, it seems so rhetorical. It seems like we shouldn't have to say this, but clearly people need to hear this. X, you are not goods to be sold. You do not need to sell yourself to a female. One, a female is not a prize. Two, a female is not a be-all, end-all judge of your life. Right? You have to find a place within yourself. Come to the place within yourself in which that you are the master of your own journey. You are walking your own journey. You have your own benefits to offer. You have your own value to offer. And that along this journey, you are foremost concerned with developing such value. The value of being a man who can stand upon principles of being direct. So this is where this one right now is. The fact that you went indirect by saying that we'll be good together 
and she might like the idea of her ex because it didn't work out last time. That that level of indirectness right there, that would clearly signal to a female that you're just not being honest with me. Now I said this to my to to my to my friend here, to ex here. I don't know him, so I probably shouldn't say my friend. Although you're all my friends, so it's okay. I said to him that when she asked you, do you like me? She was not finding or searching for a literal answer to that question. When a woman asks you or a female being asked you, do you like me? She already knows the answer. Well, she wants to know if you'll be honest about the answer. I remember this in high school so many times because I made these mistakes as well where a girl would ask or a girl's friend would ask you, like they'll do it that way. And a girl, they say you're interested in Sarah, but then her friend Jenna comes over and says, hey, do you like Sarah? And you're like, oh, fuck, do they know something? How do they know? How could they possibly know? Because you've been staring at her 10 times in biology, right? And then you deny it and you go, no, no, I don't fucking like What do you think that, right? <laughs> and then they just say, ah, oh, this guy's a liar. This guy's a liar. Can't take this guy seriously. This guy's a non-serious entity right here. Whereas if you had just said straight up, yeah, fuck yeah, like Sarah, love to, love to hang out. So powerful, so powerful. If I could go back into my high school years and adopt that level of directness, if, if and also we've got there were, this is a great way to segue in a couple of stories here. There was one particular girl, her actual name was Sarah, and normally I don't mention actual names, but this is going so far back, it's, it won't matter. So. I think I've mentioned this once before on the podcast in regards to teenagers, uh, but it's been a long time, so it's worth mentioning here, which is that there was a girl very actually quite similar uh, to this story, apart from the three-way with the ex-boyfriend, which we will discuss later in this podcast. But there was a girl that I was very good friends with. Her name was Sarah. Uh, this was uh, probably probably same age, probably about 15, 15, 16-ish. And there was always a vibe between her and I. Yeah, I didn't understand this idea of being direct. I didn't have someone to teach this to me. So, you know, you would always be passing notes. You would be making jokes at each other, pushing each other around the oval. And you always felt that vibe together, but you never acted upon it. And so nothing happened, right? As a masculine energy, your primary role is leading. Leading, of course, with empathy, but leading no less. Leading directly. Reading, leading in a way in which that you're reading the social cues from the person in the follower position, though, though who is most, they who is most dominant. Deminent. There, let me start that sentence again. They who are most dominant in their feminine energy, being in the following position, but being highly attuned to their social cues. So you know the pace of leading. You know when you're going too fast or too slow. Putting those to the side. None of that really seems to happen, and none of that will happen if you are unable to at least step into your role as a masculine being to lead, to be direct. And so with Sarah, nothing ever happened between her and I, but what was it like? Maybe at the end of year 11, we had a conversation on Facebook once. And just, I don't even know how it happened. It was so long ago. We had a conversation on Facebook in which I said to her, you know, just so you know, I used to really like you. And I think she had a boyfriend at this time, which is why I felt comfortable telling her this. So I used to really like you. And then she said back to me, what? Oh my God, I used to really like you as well. And I remember the dagger to the heart. I remember going, fuck. <laughs> when she confessed to me after I confessed to her finally that I liked you. And she goes, well, I liked you as well. So what was happening there? She was always waiting on me. You should never expect a female to lead you. Or what I should say more specifically there, you should never expect someone who is more dominant in their feminine energy. And most of the time, so we don't have to keep playing over these word games or these literal definitions Generally speaking, the general female is going to be more dominant in her feminine energy than masculine. So most girls 
are going to expect to have to be led through the dance of sexual progression and they will give accurate feedback as to whether you are doing that within an upstanding, respectful, honorable way. As to giving you information on how far this will lead and at what pace will this lead. So if you are coming back to the crux of it, to X here, if you're unable to be direct, you're missing out on so many opportunities and you shouldn't have regrets about it. Like this is all the learns. These are all the learns. This is how you become a developed human being. You make the mistakes and you learn again. So from this particular story, the first thing I'd have you change X is that number one, be proactive. When you have feelings for someone, sorry, it sounds like a door just opened. Oh, not again. <laughs> not again from last week. I think we're okay. Uh, be proactive about the display of your direct intent, knowing that if you have it and they have held the conversation in the way that I just said before, because it's not just being directed out. Now we've got to bring the principles of congruent, authentic with empathy. So I said direct of intent, congruent. Congruent, what does that mean? It's very, very, very macro. Congruent in our external actions. That we do as we say and we say what we do. That if I, particularly, this is a very broad principle. That's the general broad understanding of what it is, but particularly in a sexual, social arena. The congruence is that I know that I want to progress this interaction with her, so I need to progress this interaction with her. I know that there is a feeling within me that wants to explore something a little bit more of her, so I shall explore. And I wouldn't do it, and I will do it always with a direct manner. So really, the congruence is just aligning whatever you feel inside with your external moves, whatever is happening outside of yourself, whatever you're saying, whatever you are doing. If you're in front of a girl that you really like, and she's dropping hints, she's dropping hints, she's pushing on you, maybe she's nibbling at you, if not in a metaphorical way, in a literal way. And what does that look like, by the way? That looks like it's typical. Like if you're walk, if when a girl's nibbling at you or a guy's nibbling at her. I love that word, fucking nibbling. What it means is that you guys are doing the base level moves of push-pull of each other. That's really what flirting is, if you want to understand the concept of flirting. Flirting is the beginning of the dance. And the dance is a back and forward. It's a testing, it's a teasing, it's a challenging to understand where each other's boundaries lie, where each other's set point of sexual energy lies. And now we're getting to slightly deeper concepts, but stay with me. Stay with me on this flirtatious topic, on this nibbling at each other concept. It's really just tease, test, challenge, which means that as you've got two people walking in a straight line, if those two are igniting that dance between masculine and feminine energy, they will not maintain a straight line. They will often cross over each other. It's one of the most brilliant things to observe in when it comes to human social behavior is how when a man and a woman are walking in a straight lines with each other and they like each other, it never ends up being a straight line. They will cross over each other. They will bump into each other. They will walk into each other. There, there will be this almost helix, like helix-like formation. And you, I find this all the time, particularly because so many of my first dates are walking. Not that I really perceive them as dates, but my first hangouts of girls, if you'll say, is often on the beach. And you just note that there's never a time where I've ever walked with a girl that I've been interested in in which we maintained our straight lines. And what does that mean? What that means is that I often will push on her like not only just metaphorically in terms of psychologically making jokes, teasing, testing, challenging her verbally, but physically, physically pushing into her, physically crossing over, physically picking her up, physically dancing with her on in public, doing physical moves that are pushing her and pushing the comfort zone between each of us. And she will push. And then, so why is this important, by the way? And we will get into the weeds of this shit. We will get into the weeds because that's what today's about. So to my pushing, to see how she would receive that, will she push back? Will she push back or will she pull harder away from what her push and pulls moves, push and pull moves mean? And 
if you would like a deeper explanation of this push-pull thing, I've got a whole entire, I think it's like four hours, four to six hour live Q&A podcast on push and pull. All you have to do is type push-pull into the podcast and you'll get it. But what we're looking for really is a receptivity. And sometimes it is in the form of her pushing back on you. Sometimes it's in her directly, or I should say, intentfully pulling away, creating even more space and how you respond to that. So anyways, before we get really deep into that, what I'm trying to paint out towards here is that we were actually going on the congruency principle of just, you have feelings inside yourself, acting them out, acting them out that are in alignment with that. And then you have authenticity. Authenticity being the internal compass of your decision-making. What's right? This is morality. This is ethics. What is right to do here? So if you've been friends with a girl and you're 16 years old, you've been friends with a girl for a year, does it seem right to let these feelings, these un spoken feelings and we don't know if they're unrequited but we know they're unspoken at the minimum is it right to let those just fester away and corrupt the friendship itself because what we can see within this particular example here x with you is that you don't have a true friendship with this girl let that sit you don't have a true friendship with her because the masculine to feminine sexual polarity has not been harmonized has not been finalized I was discussing this with a client literally one and a half to two weeks ago in which that it is critical. Here's the principle. It's critical that in order to have a true friendship with someone, you must have a clear understanding of the sexual polarity, the energy that exists between you two, which means that if there is sexual intent on your behalf, she needs to know about it. And if there's sexual intent on her behalf, he needs to know about it. This cannot allow to go unfested. Now, how this is communicated does not necessarily have to be a written essay. It doesn't necessarily have to be a seminar. It doesn't have to be even to not the extremes of what I just spoke towards, but even on the lower levels of a lot of the times when done well, when done correctly, sexual intent is established and sexual polarity is established between a masculine and feminine being without words being said. When both partners have at least a minimum level of conscious competence in their social skill set, which means that they're not hard case, they're not absolute natural, they're just, you know, intent, eye contact, vocal projection, tonality, vibe, body language, these five things that make up the core of your social skill set. And if you were to tie that in and marry that with their emotional skill set, their ability to maintain a harmonious internal state emotionally in regards to the feedback of a person or environment, right, their emotional set point, if they've got a good handle on those two things, most of the time, which is why you don't, you probably haven't had to have this conversation if you are anything above five to 10. So on the scale of zero to 10, 10 being the natural of all naturals, zero being hard case of all hard case, five being the average person in the middle, socially speaking. If you're five and above, you likely haven't had to have a direct lingual conversation with someone, letting them know, this is how I feel about you. And I'd like to know how you feel about me because it's so murky, confused, unenlightened. The reason why I say that is because generally speaking, human beings work it out on their own. Generally speaking, just by, for example, if you're out on a, on a first meetup with a girl, you're out on a day with a girl and you find out you're just really not feeling her, right? You don't need to tell her, hey, I'm actually just not really feeling you. Because there are ways to describe that. Now, I'm not saying that you, there aren't cases where you'll need to. There are nuances, which we'll get to nuances. Slow down. Ochitsuke. All right, calm down, bro. Calm down, mate. So, but most of the time, like for example, if I'm not feeling a girl, I will subconsciously reverse all of the 
subcommunicated body language that would indicate that I want to get closer to her just by moving further away. So a girl, as I just said before, perfect. If I'm feeling a girl, my walking direction will walk into her slightly. I will be moving closer towards her unless I'm intentionally trying to pull away to create a certain space, to create a certain energy, which is very playful. But generally speaking, if I like a girl, she's going to know through my body language. She's going to go because I'm going to be playing with her hands. I'm going to be playing with her hair. I'm going to be picking her up, throwing her around. I'm going to be doing, having some time, having a time together, having some fun together. That's what it's like if I'm, if that's what it's like when I'm on. But when I'm off, it'd just be the complete reverse, which is that you let a girl know that you're not interested in her just by not touching her hands, not touching her hair, not making direct eye contact. Bang. Eye contact. How have we not even tapped into this at the beginning of this podcast? We are. We are 26 minutes in. We haven't even discussed eye contact. Fuck. Here we go. So if you are feeling a girl, your eyes cannot look away from her. Okay, okay, okay. Slow down. Slow down again. Too many nuances. (laughs) So uh, I'm just realizing that the general audience of this podcast is a lot older than 16. So most of you are just going like, yep, tick, tick, tick. And none of you would have had a problem with what I just said, which is that, of course, if you're feeling a girl, you're staring her down the barrel. Of course, you are magnetized to her eyes because you know that the direct transfer of your sexual energy comes through the eyes first, that the eyes are that window, that window through to the, uh, the, the infinite soul, the infinite spirit that exists within you. And so many more words, so many more stories can be told through your eyes than your mouth could ever convey. Now, most people who listen to this podcast get that, but I'm realizing there's probably, if you just came across this podcast through YouTube suggestions or whatever it may be, or your friend suggested it and you had no idea what I'm talking about there. Hang on, you might be going, hang on a second, Adam. I'm 16 years old and I'm scared shit to look at a girl in the eyes. I should have, uh, I got to account for that. I got to account for that here. That of course, 16 year olds are rubbish with eye contact. 16 year olds are want to look at their feet. They want to look up into the sky. They're, they are, well, they're skittish. What's the best word? Skittish. So for X, listen to his podcast. Hopefully you can understand that. I don't, I'm just, I was thinking about how am I going to segue that back to the main point? Because really it's a point in and of itself. Put the full stop there. Make sure you have solid eye contact. Good. Done. Coming back to the main principle that we were talking about. Authenticity. Decision-making. Compass. In which that, and that led us into the concept of true friendship. And so let's, actually, let's finish that point first. So the true friendship of things. All I was discussing on there was how you would let a girl know that's how deep in the weeds we were with the social dynamics. Look how many bamboo shoots down we were. Because what we were really on there was about how to let a girl know that you're not interested. The way that you wouldn't let that you let a girl you're not interested is by breaking the eye contact, breaking body language, etc. etc. Okay, done. Now moving back up. This is why it's not necessary to have to have a direct conversation most of the time about sexual polarity and sexual intent if you have a good command of body language and eye contact because a girl will pick up on that, which speaks very well, speaks very well to this girl in this story who said to our 16-year-old uneducated that, hey, do you like me? She already knew the answer. She wanted to know if he would be honest about it, if he would be authentic. Ah, good segue, bro. Bro, good segue. So, because he was inauthentic about his intent, indirect, incongruent and inauthentic and so she came off as feeling a little bit weird 
Of course. Now, she may not be a coach of social dynamics. So she may not, or she may not be, if not a coach, she may not be an aficionado of social dynamics. So she might not be able to say to you if you went to her, why did you go cold on this guy? Why did you go cold on this guy? She would likely describe it as, ah, I just felt a bit off. You know, he just felt a bit weird to me. Eh, I, don't, I don't think he's being 100% real with me. You know, maybe that's the words that she would use. That's the closest ones. I highly doubt she would say, oh, because I knew he was straight up lying. He was lying about his intent. Because I knew that he wanted to be with me, but he wasn't willing to show me. I knew that, that, and also oh, maybe I didn't know that, and that's giving her too much credit. Because this is a slightly more high level concept. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you that, which is that the the authenticity principle of morality, ethics, compass, decision making. When you know something to be right, and you have to do it because it's right, regardless of what the outcome is. So, for example, and this is such a perfect, so perfect. Even in the scenarios where you've got a situation where you're pretty damn clear that this girl has not got the same feelings sexually as you do for her. She's not reciprocating that level of sexuality and you just, you have those feelings, but the feelings within you just won't die. They just won't die. So in X's position here, that's what was so, that's why this podcast ended Back in minute five or whatever it was, when I said that if he had just been direct off the bat, following along with all the other principles, but most importantly, direct off the bat, then none of this has to be explained. Because even if she wasn't into him, she would still respect him for being authentic. And this is the point, (laughs) which is that just because you don't think there's a high chance of success or return on your investment does not mean you break your authenticity principle because most importantly, more than anything than the external result is how you feel internally, right? Most importantly, it's how you sleep at night. It's how you go to bed feeling like, hey, listen, even though she wasn't into me, so let's say that he had had that direct conversation with her at the beginning and she goes, oh, listen, thank you so much for being up front of me. I actually don't feel the same way, but you know, I really respect you for coming out like that and you know, it just makes me feel actually closer to you in a way because now we can actually be proper friends. And that was the whole point of me going onto this true friendship thing because now you can see how you could have a true friendship if you state the sexual polarity or the sexual dynamically feelings, sexual dynamic feelings between you two and you have that clarity. That's what, that's what gives birth to something that's really quite pure, simply pure and why I'd recommend. But the reason why I went on this whole authenticity principle with this particular part of the story is because if you're afraid of what the external outcome will be, you would never be authentic because you're going to have to take it's, I was going to say something very, very hype there, which is that you're going to have to take some L's along the way if you want to take some W's, but it's not even W's and L's. Like that's one layer of thinking, but you need to transcend that level of thinking, which is that just because a girl doesn't like you is not an L. (laughs) But that's the way that I know a 16 year old would think about it. So I was thinking about it from his perspective. But if you can evolve yourself to a higher level of thinking, which is that, hang on a second, it was never about getting the girl. It was about getting me. It's never about making her my girlfriend. I'm 16 years old. If you're a 16-year-old and you're trying to make girls your girlfriends, you're trying to win girls, you're trying to sell yourself to girls, who have you been listening to? Where, where, where did you get this from? Where did you get this from? And I know where you got this from. You got this from mainstream media. You got this from large society in general, which is all, it's all about the external place of a validation, the external feeling of a cup. A cup with no bottom, a cup that will forever, perpetually, infinitely, eternally be empty because you keep asking other people to fill it. It has no bottom. 
these girls, they're not going to be your cup. They will never fill your cup. The best you can do is the best you can do. And that's all you should focus on. Focus on the best you can do. Being a direct guy. Being congruent with that external action. Being authentic with your internal decision making. And then finally, with that final principle, empathy. Empathy comes in across all all of these principles actually I have to explain them in a bit of a linear way or a bit of an isolated way but actually you can all see they have a tie into each and every one of them you can't it's very hard to be congruent and authentic without being direct yeah you've picking that up it's also very hard to be direct congruent and authentic without some level of empathy but it is uh, quite crucial that you put a focus on the empathetic point which I now if we can review back how was that done nothing has to change here you don't have to inspire feelings that aren't there. I just want to know how you feel. There's your empathy point. And that's just money. It's money in the bank of your social dynamics. It's money in the bank of your social skill set. It's money in the bank of your relationships. So before we go, go get too philosophical here, the reason why it's money in the bank is because that person feels like you see them, you understand them. And now you can see how I was about to get very philosophical with it. But you see them, you understand them. If for a 16-year-old, if at least if you don't understand the deeper levels of what that means, if you could at least just understand that, which is that it's important for other people to know that you understand them, that you have an understanding for that, what might be a very difficult, pressure-filled situation if someone was to confess their love, in quotes, confess their direct intent, confess their true feelings towards them, how that might be a very pressure-filled situation, how that might put them in a very awkward position of having to choose between the friendship and this ex that's going on now. Okay, let's talk about the ex in a second. But hang on, let me finish this point. You know, it puts them in a very strange situation here. But if they already get the pressure release valve from you, which is which is that, oh, and listen, by the way, this is not going to hurt me. Like You're not going to cut me up. You're not going to cut me up why do why are girls so want to ghost? Not just girls, guys as well. But okay, so let's take away the gender roles of things here. Why are immature beings so want to ghost? Because most importantly, they are afraid of hurting the person in front of them. So instead of confronting a direct pathway, which would definitely cause short, short-term pain, but alleviate the long-term potentiality of said pain, they would much rather take a indirect path around the short-term pain not realizing that they are simultaneously creating a guaranteed pathway of long-term pain, but at least they avoid a direct conversation about it in the short term. That's why it's immaturity. It's it's a boyhood, girlhood psychological mentality to ghost people, to not give people closure, to not directly tell people what it is you're feeling, even in a circumstance where it is going to have to let them down. But if someone can offer you a pressure release valve of saying, that, hey, by the way, this is how I feel, but it doesn't have to change anything about how you feel about me. Like it doesn't, I'm not putting pressure on you for that. And most importantly, I'm good within myself. I'm good within myself. You don't even have to say that. You don't even have to say to people, I'm good within myself. Because actually most of the time, if you're saying I'm good within myself, you're probably not. (laughs) You know, uh, it's the way that you are. It's the being that you are. It's when you're saying to her, for example, like everything that we're talking about here right now, my friends, these are all words. These are all fancy words. But the words mean very little. They're important, but they mean very little. It's the tonality. It's the pacing. It's the silence. It's the intent with which I say the words that makes up the lion's share of the meaning, the transference of energy behind what I'm saying. You can say to a girl, hey, listen, I've got feelings for you. I've got this vibe for you. And I know that we've been good friends for a year. And 
you know, I, I like to hear what you have to say about it, but just so you know, it doesn't have to change how you feel about us. You know, if anything, I just got to make things a little bit clearer between you or I. And, uh, you know, I still, I always still hold the best for you. You know, I always want the best between you and I, whatever it is. You know, everything I just said then, did you notice how my tonality changed? It became way more meaningful. It became more serene. It became a little bit more, more romantic, if you will. I took the sharpness off everything. It became a lot more, a little bit more like a lullaby in a way. It's a lot softer, a lot rawer, more emotional. But the words were the same as to what I described before. Back, if you rewind to the back of this podcast, you could just cut these two clips, compare with each other, and you go, ooh, that was a lot realer. You could feel it. Even right now, the way that I'm talking, I'm still trailing off of it. What changed? The energy. The energy is what we pick up on as human beings. So you don't need fancy words. You don't need word games. You don't need military strategies. You don't need tactical game plans from Call of Duty and your class setups to try and militarize this situation between you and this girl to get a successful outcome. Chill out, bro. Chill out. To keep it simple, to recap here, because I want to finish on this point and then move on to the jealousy and the insecurity things for teenagers. But to finish this point, these situations don't have to happen. If I was a 16-year-old right now, or if I had a 16-year-old son and he was in the same situation, what I'd say to him is this. You know, wake up. You know, wake up. And realize that girls can't read your mind, yet they can read your body. And your body tells them far more about what your mind's thinking than you even realize. She already knew that you liked her. She was testing to see if you'd be honest about it. And that may or may not have changed her likeness towards you, but it sure as hell would have increased or decreased her trust within you. Her ability to... uh, confide and to create a space of investment between you and her so you fucked that up you fucked that up hard that's okay you're 16 year old you're learning don't make this mistake again next time this situation happens in fact actually there's two things you can do right here make sure it never happens again by making sure that he's always direct of his intent covering with congruence authenticity and empathy all pillars are there part two that with this girl now If I was this guy in particular, or if this was my 16-year-old son, I would be saying to him, you need to go back to this girl and salvage the situation by saying to her, hey, listen, I made a mistake. I made a mistake by not being honest with you. I should have told you what my intent was directly, and I know that you got feelings for this other guy. Listen, it's really not about him. I don't want this to really be about you and you two, and I know there's something there, but hey, listen, just forgetting about that for now. I'm sorry that I wasn't directly intentful with you. This is actually how I feel. And going through the same thing, it doesn't have to change anything between you and I. And actually, I understand if you don't want to spend that much more time with me because I fucked up. But anyways, I had to set the record straight. I had to set this right. There's that authenticity principle. Yosh, that's exactly the game plan that I'll do. So that's really good, really good summary for this guy right here. Get the principles right, sound masculine principles right, human principles, and then also get a... It's really important, actually. You think, why is it important for him to have to salvage that situation or to have to reconcile and to repair, if you will, that situation? Because it's really important for masculine beings particularly. Let me erase that word. It's really important for human beings particularly to acknowledge when they were wrong, to acknowledge when you made a mistake. People respect you far more when you front up for a mistake that you made than to pretend as if it never happened. You see this with politicians all the time. Politicians are the number one enemy bad guy, number one bad guys. Politicians are the number one bad guys when it comes to, oh, who would I look to in society for how to conduct myself as a human being, a good human being? 
politicians are the last. They're, they're the ones you would look to as the opposite. In fact, you could actually largely just look at someone like any of any of your Australian, US, UK, Western politicians, and you look at most of them and just go, okay, do the opposite of that, right? Don't lie. Don't pretend that you made a mistake, uh, pretend that you didn't make a mistake and just pretend that it's all good. Don't gaslight people, right? Et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on and on. How do we get onto the whole politicians line of things? I don't even remember. Coming back up here. Oh, making mistakes. Acknowledging when you fucked up. It's so much better. If you get caught, you made a mistake. You get caught making a mistake. You were lying. You were lying to yourself. Whatever it was in this situation with X, just be honest about it. And then people, you have not understand how much forgiveness people have when people are willing to be honest which is not to say that you get a ticket back into their lives, particularly when we start talking about higher stake mistakes. When we're talking about mistakes where you're talking about there's actual damage caused, there's no damage caused between these ones. But what's so important about these ones, these young kids, is that it's the same mentality that this 16-year-old is making right now that if he continues to train over the years and years to come would only lead him to making very, very, detrimental and potentially life-altering mistakes, right? It's the same mentality right here that I can see with him. It's guys that are willing, unwilling to be direct. They're indirect, incoherent, inauthentic, and unempathetic. Those are the guys that if you take them far enough, they're the ones that are going to end up being the committers of domestic violence. They're going to be the ones that commit uh, trespassing wasn't the word I was looking for there. They're the ones that are going to, going to commit stalking. They're going to be the ones that form such a egoic complex of insecurity and now we talked about the jealousy and perfect segue they're the ones that are going to become the narcissistic jealous insecure types that are putting putting trackers on women's cars that are having getting restraining orders placed against them that having to spend time at the watch house like those guys don't just get there is what i'm saying no no one is just like a well-balanced social dynamically well-balanced human being at 19 up until 19 and then one day at 30 or 40 all of a sudden just becomes an absolute atrocity that all of a sudden it just starts abusing women. And and the key point, a man that is abusing women is abusing himself. He's only hurting himself. He's only expressing, not only hurting himself, but expressing a hurt within himself. And it's just so unfortunate that it has to be manifested externally. It has to find its way out of itself. There are no men that hit women that are simultaneously harmonious within themselves. There are no men that lie to women pervasively, extensively, pathologically, that are solemn, grounded, centered beings within themselves. Any pain that you are going to manifest outside of yourself, let's look at jealousy. Jealousy is a evolutionally hardwired program, right? It's there to keep our genes alive. It's there to help us to progress. Jealousy, you can see going back 10,000 to 300,000 years ago, if you, saw, if you saw another tribe that had better land than you, that had better hunting, fertile hunting grounds, there was uh, more abundance in fruits, in various resources, in access to water, access to shelter, it made sense to be jealous to motivate you to go kill those people so you could take their resources. 
And you see this manifest from all the way back to hunter-gatherer times through to just look at the Vikings. Look at the Vikings like, or anyone that engaged in pillaging and raiding. Raiding in which that you would pillage people's treasure and their goods and you would take their women and that you would take them as slaves and that you would impregnate them. So raping, and as you can see, raping itself has an evolution, very clear evolutionary beneficial mechanism. It is a mechanism that is hardwired. And we, of course, transcended that. Of course, this is mean whenever I discuss these things, as do other evolutionary biologists, it is never to say that they are just or morally approved of. Of course not. I'm not approving of rape or pillaging or raiding. But by discussing it, it will help you to understand. Particularly when it comes to something like jealousy. See? If it appears that this tribe has more sexually robust and sexually producing robust, uh, let me recorrect that sentence, that didn't come out right. Their women are, have greater potential for sexual reproduction. It makes sense to be jealous of that, to want to go steal those women. Yeah? I think I've done my case here. I think I've done well enough to explain where how, enough examples for you to see how, why we get jealous as human beings. Yet, Nonetheless, we have evolved ourselves into a civilized state in which that we needn't act upon those jealous mechanisms, in which that we could actually transcend to even a level above regular civilization. So that's sitting with ties and sipping on tea, right? Stiff neck ties and sips of tea, that's your civilization. That's a civilized world, apparently. But there's a level that we have, some of us have found above the ties and tea which is the transcendence of your egoic self, to separate from the concept of I, to know that whoever you believe yourself to be is but a figment of imagination. There was a time before who you believe yourself to be. There was a time before I. There would be a time after I. I is subjective. I is but a game. So whenever you say, I'm so jealous. Oh, hang on. Rewind. Who's jealous? I'm jealous. Ah. Uh, don't be so silly. <laughs> Don't be so ridiculous. What do you mean I'm so jealous? Dive into it. What do you mean I'm so jealous? Why am I so jealous? Oh, because I really like this girl. Why, what, I really like this girl. Why do I really like this girl? Oh, because uh, I'd be really cool if guys could see that. Why do, why do I care that other guys like, like, like girls? Uh, because, fuck. I would, uh, I, guess, I guess it means that I'm, I'm seen as like the best. Why do you need to be the best? Um, I guess my parents always instilled in me that you know you got to you got to be good and well, hang on rewind again. My parents, my parents, my parents. Keyword there, my. Okay, what's so important about my parents? Why are they why are they your parents? Oh well, they 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 gave they gave birth to me. Keep going, keep going. One level down. What happened before they gave birth to you? Who were you then? There's a time before you. We played the reversal game there. Diving through a whole bunch of limiting beliefs, hardwired negative self-perceptions, or even just self-perception in general. All to work down to the fundamental understanding that there was a time before you. And so, therefore, thus, there will be a time after you. If, has, if it has not dawned upon you yet, 
that whoever you believe yourself to be is but a limited game. It's an expiry date on that game. And actually, there was a meaningful period of time where you were alive before you had even signed up to that game. You can hopefully find a place within yourself to look at how you operate now with concepts of jealousy and go, what a silly game. What a silly game. Whenever you feel that feeling, that pang of going, I really just want that. I want to be with that girl. I really want that girl. She's, she's with that ex. I'm supposed to be friends with the ex. Fuck that guy. Fuck, I'm going to try to fuck that guy over so I can be with her. Or I'm going to try and win her over and try to sell myself, try to be the best I can so I can get this girl. It's like all of this, ego, ego, I, I, so much pain, so much pain caused by I. It had not erected principles of sitting into the deep mindfulness, the meditation of now, the simplicity of now. Coming to find your true I, which is but a paradox itself, but a, but a raft to help you to realize your true essence and your true nature. And this is the transcendence. Now, you needn't become a monk. You needn't become Buddha to understand what I have just said and to act upon it most importantly. But to realize that when you lower yourself to a state of jealous, insecure neediness, to realize who is doing so, it is a state of unawareness, unconsciousness, when you identify with I in a totality, when you are lusting after this girl slash woman and you attribute it and you feel these feelings of jealousy attributed to other people. Some, if for the worst of them, for the worst of us, for those of us, why don't you say the worst of us, for those of us that are the furthest of gone, for those of us that are in the deepest levels of unconsciousness, you're blaming society for why this girl is not interested in you, aka incels. You're blaming factors that have relatively to no influence on whether this one particular girl likes you or not. And you are just, all you're doing there is you're outsourcing your responsibility. You are delegating your responsibility for having to be an attractive being, for having to be an upstanding gentleman, an upstanding gentleman in which that you are built upon the principles, direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy. Someone who is imbued with supreme excellence. Imbued, imbued, or I should say, let me replace that word imbued, someone that demonstrates, someone that reflects, someone that portrays supreme excellence for that which they had developed within themselves. These concepts, these podcasts, we will always get to a deeper level. But I'm just wanting to be a little bit more aware of who may be listening to this. And realizing that a lot of what I just said might go straight over the window. So let me give you an even easier way of understanding this egoic concept. The beast. Here's a great way of thinking about the ego. Every day that you wake up, you are tasked with having to either master or be mastered by your ego. It is a beast. You find yourself as you wake up into this field that there is a beast there. It has a harness on it. But whether you will mount that beast and take command of that harness and direct this beast into a direction that would be serving, that would be meaningful, that would be purposeful, that would be harmonious, equanimous, that would see the best of human expression, the best of life, the best of a, the best of what you could possibly imagine on all fronts, that's an option. Or 
you can have your or you can have your ankle tied to the beast and allow the beast to master you dragging you through the mud of life right causing havoc wreaking havoc chaos amongst the world with mentalities such as narcissistic jealousy pathological lying abusive mentalities hopefully god not manifesting into physically abusive to sexually abusive right but that's the beast dragging your spirit who you are your spirit your essence your soul if you will if you're more christian right that inner knowingness that oneness that part of you that is eternal undying dragged through the mud of life is what it will be if you allow your ego to master you and now to get to the final layer of this analogy so but before we do because that makes it a lot simpler so you have a choice you have a choice when you wake up. You either master the beast, you master your ego, or you allow your ego to master you. What it means, what does that mean to master your ego? It means that I'm accountable. I am accountable. If I'm harnessing the beast, I am accountable for the doings, for the doings and the sayings of this beast. Because the ego can be mastered and harnessed for either meaningful work or destructive work. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? It has to be one. You don't get a choice of, well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe by ending your own life, you maybe you get a choice, but that's not guaranteed either. You don't know what happens in the next life. You don't know that whatever suffering you're suffering right now would only be perpetuated if you somehow ended your life. And maybe that's the way the simulation works. Maybe that's the way that the game works. Who knows? Maybe there is no game. Maybe there is no simulation. That's the point. We don't know. So bringing it back here. You don't get a choice as to whether there's a choice or not. There is always going to be a choice. If you were really on point, you probably understood what I just said, but for those that weren't, let me simplify that even more. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to harness your ego or your ego is going to harness you in that sense. But more importantly there, if left unchecked, your ego will wreak havoc. If left checked, your ego will serve meaningful work. What's it going to be? What is it going to be? What are we going to do here? This is where things get exciting. This is where things get exciting in life if you're a teenager because this is surely something that you need to know. A lot of things that a lot of adults do not know, which is that you actually have a choice to be aware of what it is that you think and feel and how that you affect other people, how people see you, how people receive a certain level of behavior, mentality from you that would then color and that would then shape their trust, their comfort, their attraction within you. This is the fault that all teenagers, if they don't someday come to realize for themselves, would have thrust in their face by the harshness of life, which is that the dance of masculine and feminine energy when it comes to sexual opportunity is not fair. It is not equal. Only the best will be chosen. Only the best rise. That's really the law of what has been our evolution as human beings. What am I saying there is that you don't you don't get you don't get to being with a girl who is not only physically beautiful because she takes care of herself, takes care and has the right mentality of taking care of her physical mechanic, the body that she engages and habits in this world. A girl that is mentally switched on, that thinks deeply of the world, lightly of herself, a la Miyamoto Masashi. 
a girl that is compassionate, caring, a girl that has deep curiosity for what the world is, wants to explore, wants to adventure, open-minded in the skepticism of things, willing to entertain, has a care for family, has a care, has a, has a, has a, a prime spirit for wanting to raise children that would be a tremendous mother, right? that has some form of, and not even just, I say it as if it uh, should be guaranteed, but it's not. It's so important that I say this, is that she has her own purpose. She has her own mission in life that is unattached to you. That's one of the most attractive things a woman could ever do for you, actually. Let's not get too deep into that right now. I said it's a whole, I said it's a whole podcast in it of what I just said right there. Let's hold it off on that for a second. Just know that she has her own mission in life. She has her own purpose in life. Great. And of course, yeah, so what I'm describing there is the woman's temple, right? her own purpose, physical, mental, and social development with an understanding of her true nature. You don't get to meeting a woman like that and for her to see you as an attractive option, as an attractive entity, as a someone who she would want to bring into her life, would want to pursue herself. You don't get to have access to that and who that person would be if you aren't reflecting anything of an equal standing. It's like, why, why would you think that an attractive girl would want to be with you if you are involved yourself not attractive? I don't know any attractive guys that are incels. <laughs> you could drop that mic. I wish I had a mic to drop. I don't because it's not a, uh, it's not a boom arm. Now, some of you might be saying, but that's not fair, Adam, because you know, attra- whether you're attractive or not, it's genetics. No, I beg to differ. I beg to differ tremendously. So shall we do this? Shall we do this for teenagers? Why not? Let's revisit this concept. What is attraction? Attraction, first and foremost, if we want to get a literal definition here, or what my literal definition would be, particularly in a social dynamic space, is the recognition of interest. When you say that I'm attracted to someone, you're recognizing an interest point within them. Now, what you're attracted to will exist on three different planes or can be largely separated between three different planes. Plane one, the physical, right? the flesh, the fleshly delight, the hair, the eyes, the robust caboose, right? the top level, the bolt-on, <laughs> the bolt-ons. Uh, well, actually, some girls get bolt-ons, so that's why I said that. Uh, it's a very Australian saying for implants. Uh, but I just love that that came first of mind. <laughs> Not every girl has uh, bolt-ons. I love it. Okay, I'm sensing, we can go. I'm sensing a joke right there. Let's not. So a voluptuous is the word I probably should have said. That, a voluptuous physique. Right? The sexuality of things in its very raw animalistic nature when it comes to the uh, the carnal nature. The, the carnal nature, the, the physical delight. Attraction on the physical level. Got a, hand, got a handle on that, lock it in. Now you go into the second plane, mental. Mental attraction. The way that someone perceives the world. I find a recognition point of interest within the way that she thinks. The way that she thinks about politics. The way that she thinks about uh, contentious issues such as abortion, gun rights, immigration, bodily autonomy, informed choice, etc., etc. Her mental framework for navigating the world of worlds, the world of cities. Mental attraction. Second plane, lock it in. Third plane of attraction, spiritual. 
that which cannot be described with words. That's all. That's as far as you need to go when it comes to when I say spiritual. You do not need to go into crystals. You do not need to go into sun beings or celestial beings. You don't need to go into parallel universes. You don't need to go into the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the all the different various esoteric concepts that might be attained or attached to the concept of spiritual. Simply that which words cannot describe. You might hear every single time I describe the social skill set. What do I say? I say intent, eye contact, vocal projection, such tonality, body language, and vibe. Now, am I just chucking vibe in because it's cool? (laughs) No, because what is vibe short for? Vibe is short for vibration. Our lives and who we are, we are vibrations of energy. We communicate within energy and an energetic field. And again, you don't have to get quantum level with this. You don't have to go into that level to understand this. I'm not asking you to do that. All I'm asking you to do here is to understand is that music is vibration. The universe is vibrations. They are vibrations of energy. They are molecules coming together and they are interacting with each other to make something, to manifest. So even if you don't want to have to go as deep with that, just what does that all mean? What it means is that my vibe is how literally my vibration, is it good? Give me this, give me this. When you when you would say, oh, she's, uh, she's giving off a really sexy vibe tonight. What the hell does that mean? What? What the hell does that mean? She's giving off a sexy vibe. Can you define literally what sexy means? Can you give me a quantitative measure to sexiness? Can we go out there with a measuring tape and test tubes and break down in a microscope at the cellular level what sexiness is? No, no, it's a vibe. It's a vibration she's giving off. An overall sense of what this person is putting together, a amalgamation, a totality of understanding about what someone is giving off. This guy's in a good mood. What, what is good mood? What is good? What is good? But if you, we all know though. Not, none of you could ever give me a quantitative measure as what, oh, this guy is really feeling himself. That's his vibe. He's feeling himself. That's not quantitative. What? <laughs> I'll go all day with you guys here. Give me any vibe you want, right? Give me any vibe you want. Feeling meek? Feeling chill? Feeling chill? What's that? What is chill? <laughs> I love this. I love this because I know that it's gold. I know that it's concrete. I know that for some of you, this is certainly hitting I know it's certainly hitting because there's dinging bells within me, which is that, oh, right, right. There's some things that cannot be described with words. We use certain words to point us as fingers to a moon of truth, which lies underneath, which is that when I say that this girl seems real sexy tonight, she's getting a real sexy vibe tonight. Those are just fingers acting as guides pointing to a moon, which reveals the actual truth, which is that the energy she's putting off is that it's infinite in terms of its description, but let's just take some key ones there, which is that she's on, she's feeling good about herself. She's feeling confident in herself. She looks like she's expressively entertaining options here that she's willing to engage and express socially, that she has no qualms about her feminine energy, how she has no qualms about what other people think. So here you go, list, 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 ding, 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 of all the things that would make up sexy. And so it's reflected and you think it's the dress that makes her sexy. No, it's not. It's the vibe that would inspire her to wear that dress that makes her sexy. Bang! <laughs> oh, we're on here. We are on here. So if you could take all this into account, 
Well, I said spiritual. That's a great, great segue here. It's just, it's a, or it's a great tie-up, I should say, which is how you know that you don't have to get woo-woo with this when I say the three arenas of attraction being physical, mental, and we're on the spiritual one here, that which cannot be described with words. You are attracted to her spiritually because of the way that she portrays herself with a sexy vibe. That's a, that's a great one. Her, her way of being would be another more literal if we were to just separate from the sexiness of things. If you were just to say that, I think I'm more spiritually attracted to her because it's just the way that she is. What does that mean? The way that she is. The way she looks at me, the way that she, her idiosyncrasies of, idiosyncrasies of playing with her hair, the way that she crosses her feet when she gets embarrassed, the way that she tried to jump over a puddle in the street but landed right in the middle of it, smack bang. <laughs> you know, just the small things, the small things, the, the things that, the, unex, the unexpected things. That's what I like about it. That's what I'm attracted to her about. See how it doesn't have to have anything to do with the fact that she likes crystals or the fact that she believes that there are beings on the sun. All it has to do with is that it's just, I can't really put a quantitative word to it. It's all quality. It's not quantity, right? I can't really define it for you. That's, and that's vibration as well. So that's why I went on with the vibration explanation there because vibration explanation really fits into the understanding of spiritual attraction. Now, 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 back to the main part of this podcast or this part of the, this part of the podcast. Why were we describing? Why were we describing the three sectors, three arenas of attraction? Because I heard someone in the ether say to me, but Adam, isn't attraction just genetically defined? AKA, there's nothing you can do about it. Let's take a look at that. Physical, mental, spiritual. Would any of you say to me now that you have no command of development within those three different specters? You have to be straight up lying if you're going to say no to that. If you're going to say you have no command of your physical attraction, you have no command of your mental attraction, and you have no command of your spiritual attraction. So you're in denial. You're in straight denial. I'm always trying to play devil's advocate though. What Adam, what about what about the guy with no legs and with a potato head? What about him? Obviously, there is an extent to which we as human beings are willing to accept a certain level of base minimum and physical level of attractors, attractiveness. But at the same time, this is not a black and white arena. This is not ones and zeros. For example, I know many a guy. Many a guy in my time who has not been a physical Adonis, who has not been particularly well endowed or has not dedicated certain levels of development to their physical prowess. I'm being very eloquent there to say that it just looks like a potato. I know many potatoes. I've known many potatoes that have been extremely successful when it comes to their social dynamics, that have been extremely successful when it comes to attracting high quality other attractive partners. <clears throat> Before we bring in the concept of power and finance, which we will, before we bring that in, eliminating those two factors, I know males that have been extremely successful socially and sexually speaking without power when it comes to social status or financial status because their mental game was on level, because their spiritual game was on level, because they had worked so deeply within themselves to form such a temple, just outstanding. They are just lit the literal definition of the word outstanding. 
they outstand the rest of the pack. The way that they perceive reality, the way that they understand human interaction, the way that they understand the principles of open qualification investment close, they understand the principles of setting up an investment space, what even the dance of attraction is when we're talking about T's test challenge, when it comes to the sexual progression, when it comes to a particularly acknowledging an empathetic space to allow a woman a vessel for which she would be totally accepted to connect into the presence of now, those who have delved deeply, who have spent decades upon building a mindful structure, a deeply centered core in which that, I'm here. It's like, I'm here with you. I see you, accept you, I'm here with you. And it's not just parcel words. This is not Australia Post Express Post words. These are packages that have been passed down through generations. Right? That's the depth of what I'm speaking to here is that how they feel, that spiritual game I was talking about, that spiritual core, I should say. It's, it's got that timeless feeling to it. Timeless feeling to it. Mm. Mm. Doesn't that just make you feel good? Doesn't that just delicious? <sighs> when you come across someone who just feels timeless, it's like, even though I know that you're 29, I know that you're 35 or you're 40, I know that you're, okay, I don't think I've felt it in someone who's under 18. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but generally speaking, someone who's been through a little more life experience and you just feel like this person's timeless. I could have met this person. This person could be 80. I'd be like, yep. This person could be three and I'd be like, yep. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their numerical age is because they've done such work within themselves to come to an understanding of who they are and what their true essence in life is. Their temple, their journey, their path, the mountain, the understanding of the interconnectivity, the web of life, the fabric of our existence is not bereft of them. It is not fallen upon them. It is something that they have generated from within themselves. And so it sits deeply. And so you feel timeless when you're with them. Just It boils the blood in the best of ways, doesn't it? Like it stands the hair on your arms. When you realize that you have access to that, that everyone has access to that. In this podcast right now, I'm, I'm, I'm planking out energy for you. Right? I am dealing out energy for you guys here. I'm infusing the feelings of what's happening here so that you don't get too lost on the words, so that you really just, even if my words don't, and I look back on this podcast and go, that probably verbally didn't make sense, but energetically, I knew exactly what he meant. That's really what I'm trying to convey in this particular part. So there should be a lot of dualities, a lot of paradoxes, a lot of seemingly incomprehensible uh, conceptual understandings. That's okay. That's totally okay. As long as you're absorbing the energy. Yes, sure. I'll do my best to continue to refine these conceptual ideas, but not too much because sometimes the it is the unrefinement of a conceptual idea that allows you to access its truth. Such as a child playing with a dog. The child state. So unrefined, so unconceptualized, yet so true. The presence and the joy that a child knows. No mind. Come now, my friends. Come now. Don't act like you don't know. Stop acting like you don't know. I know you know. I know you know. So, now that you know, and now that you know that I know that you know, let's move on. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, so back to this attraction. I said I was going to bring it. So to finalize that point, I know males that have been particularly romantically, sexually, socially, just in general, successful with not any particular outstanding physical quality, but with outstanding mental and spiritual qualities. There is an interplay. There is an interplay. Then again, I also males, quite a few, who have no physical, very low physical attraction, very low mental attraction, and very low, whoa, actually, let me take that back. I guess you would have to say it's high mental attraction. So let me take that back. You see where I'm going with this. Let me, let me play this out for you. Low physical attraction, low spiritual, but high mental. And what I'm saying there is that they were smart enough smart enough to realize that they were never going to be the Brad Pitt of physical looks. They were never going to be the the football jock, the AFL football player, the NFL football player, the NHL hockey player. They were never going to be that guy. They were going to be the jacked, square cut, you know, blue eyes, blonde hair. They were never going to be that guy. So they went to work on developing their mental facilities so that they could leverage the two most powerful concepts in our human society materialistically when it comes to capitalism. Social status and financial status. Power. This is external power. Now, we have discussed at length power in this podcast series across the last six years or so. But for today, let's get an outlay on this. What is power? Manifest in two different ways, external and internal. What I just described was external power, particularly in a capitalistic world. Social status and financial. They are brothers. They are inseparable brothers. They are conjoined twins. With social status comes financial status. With financial status often comes social status. It'd be pretty hard to find an example where that's not the case. So, let's break that down another layer. Guys that are attractive, not because they have great bodies, not because they have a great spirit, but because they have a great financial bank account, because they have much in the way of crypto, because they have their NFTs, because they have fandangled the capitalistic game, because they sit up in a skyscraper, because they roll around in a Royce, because they have the condo, the penthouse condo, yeah, the private jet, yeah. And so through their powerful financial status, they can leverage powerful social status. They can get into the circles with people, like-minded people, who attract a certain type of female who are more attracted to that particular status, that particular power, than they are to someone's spiritual core or someone's physical core. I I have said every time we bring up this particular subject, I have made no no disguise, made no disguise of that there are women that exist that do not care for your spiritual essence and do not care for your quality of character for that they would rather prioritize your bank account and your financial holdings. You're, you're not only, let me put it this way. If you were just, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I was going to say, I was, trying to, I was trying to play devil's advocate there. Could you find someone who is just very, very well socially connected but financially very poor and that type of woman would still be attracted? Probably not. Probably not. Right? The financial, like they have to come together. It's conjoined status there is what I'm saying. And so what I'm saying to get out of the weeds with that is that there are some people 
that will forsake spiritual character, that will forsake quality of character, because to them, they have forsaken that within themselves. And so if you are looking for someone who has also forsaken their character of being, quality of being, forsaken their spirit, then you're perfect partners. You guys can be, as they say, uh, in pain together. You can love each other in pain together. And I don't say that in a deriding way. I don't say that in a uh, condescending way whatsoever. Pain finds pain. Pain finds pain. It's still a sad state, no less, but I have tremendous compassion for that state of sad pain. If you have a woman that has no care for someone's quality of being and only cares about whether they get the $3,000 monthly allowance and gets to ride around in a sports car every day and doesn't have to work a day in her life and she's just looking for a man that can do that no matter what kind of a, what shape he is you know, he's just quite frankly just boring for lack of better words is unstimulating at better words he doesn't care for her and so she likely is going to end up cheating on him anyway in order to find that and this is perfect actually you know finding a provider role finding someone who's going to fill the provider role and then finding someone who fulfills her emotional role on the other side yep Yeah, okay. You see this happen all the time. Okay. There are so many manifestations is all I tried to point out over here, pointing back to the main stick, main bamboo of, yes, you can leverage social power and financial power in order to attract. And this is where where things get sticky now, don't they? Because we started this by saying to attract an attractive partner. But is that really attractive to you? Is that the person you're attracted to? Are you attracted? So for those of you, what I'm saying here, for those of you that... I was thinking, that sounds pretty good to me. It's like, either I'm too lazy or I was just born with such shit genetics that I'm never going to hold any sway in terms of my physical arena of attraction. Okay, Adam? Okay, so you've, you've already condemned yourself to that. Resigned yourself to that. And then you go, also, I'm really not interested in becoming a altruistic, benevolent, harmonious, happy, joyful, loving, peaceful person. Fuck that. I'm just going to manipulate this game because I'm actually pretty switched on up top. I've got good grades in school. I can create businesses. I can leverage money. I can leverage dollars. I can leverage houses, rental markets, investment markets, crypto. And I can leverage all this stuff because I'm good with that shit because I'm a neurotic. I'm a neurotic type person. I love that shit. And I'd rather do that. I would rather invest all my energy into getting as much social power and social leverage through my financial wealth, and then I'll attract an attractive woman. It's not my place to judge that. It is my place to say that that is a pathway to hell. It's a pathway to pain. It isn't a pathway to eternal perdition. It is a pathway to self-destruction. Absolutely. But I would still never say don't do that because that's not my place. My place is only to paint out where you'll likely end up. And then it's your choice as to whether you would like to do that or not. However, the question then became, but the only, you have to see the the fruit of that. If you're going to walk that type of journey, what type of fruit do you expect? Do you expect a wholesome, grounded, characterful, characterful, high quality of spirit woman to be attracted to that, if you want to say, shallow, externally based dark, egoic-based mindset. Why would light, is what I'm saying, why would light 
choose to be with darkness. As I said before, pain finds pain. A light will find light. What I'm saying there is that a light source will be attracted to another light source. Someone who is seeking, someone who has gone to great lengths and pain within themselves to not only alchemize the pain within them, the darkness that existed within them, to become light, to walk forward with mentalities of direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy, love, peace, and joy, the journey. I'm going to see people, I'm going to accept people, understand people, have compassion for people, know that this is an eternal thread of existence. No beginning, no end. It's just now. And that you're working through all your trauma and you alchemized all that darkness. Why would you then, and that person, why would you think that that person would then go and seek the very opposite or maybe the place of where they came from? If you don't value yourself, you will find others who do not value themselves. As you start to value yourself, you will seek to find others who value themselves. As you raise your own level, you will seek to find others operating on the same. As you raise your frequency, you will seek others operating on a similar raised frequency. As you raise your consciousness, your awareness, you will seek others who have become as conscious and as aware. Someone who raises their level of consciousness and awareness does not seek someone on a lower level of unconsciousness and unawareness. This is basic maths. This is basic games right here. So why did I bring this up? Because at the end of the day, what are, the, what's, what are you looking for here? If you want to play the game of social power through, social, through financial leverage, then expect to find a person who was also coming from a similar dark place. Because that's a very dark place to come from. This is something that I would like to put in here for the 16-year-olds. I know it's hard for you to, it might be hard for you to understand this right now because you have such little experience, but please believe me when I say to you as a 29-year-old that has spent, since his late 16s, training in social dynamics. I've been training consciously the art of social dynamics since late 16. So what's that? It's like 12 to 13 years. I've been coaching social dynamics professionally for over six years. And this is what I can tell you. I've met some of the most outwardly attractive women that you would ever meet. Not only through social dynamics, but also prior through my two previous professions in personal training and portrait and fashion videography and photography. I've been in the rooms with the women that you think you want. And let me tell you, they aren't the women that you want. Some of them are. Some of the, what I'm saying that some of the girls that are on the three on the split spec uh, on the three arenas of attraction, physical, mental, spiritual. What I'm describing there is that the thing you the woman you think you want is the one that is the absolute ten within one arena, which is the physical. You're chasing the perfection of physical beauty, and you think that that must simultaneously account for her character, her spirit, her mental facilities, her social connections her wide garner and respect from the people around her, her mentalities towards life. And you think all of that would get bundled in just because that they are physically attractive. I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. Literally the other day, I just say this to you right now. Literally the other day I was in the gym, I was cooling down and this couple walked in. I've seen them in a few times. A couple walks in and 
this girl is in that top echelon of physical beauty. And she has she has a body like you would not understand. Her body is just like it's not only is it ridiculously fit, and she always wears tight the tightest possible leggings, but it's it's she's both athletic and thick at the same time. Like it's a lesser man would sell his firstborn child just to get a look at her in a G-string. That's what I'm saying. She's that physically attractive. It's a good thing I'm not a lesser man, and neither are you. Because if you actually got to hear the way she thinks about the world, you'd be disgusted. You'd be turned off. As her and her partners sat down uh, on the in the stretching mats, they just started talking shit about the personal trainers. They just started mouthing off, swearing about these other trainers. And the other trainers, by the way, are great people. I know the other trainers, and not that I'm a trainer at the gym. I haven't done personal training work in quite some time. But I'm good friends, well, not good friends, but I'm good relations and I speak to them every day. I know they're good people. And this girl just starts mouthing off. And I know that they're not regular, they're not regular regulars. And they don't have good relationships with the, with people in the gym in general. But to hear them just talk shit about these other trainers because they were taking up some space and they were just saying really bad, like just disrespectful things about them and I saw that and when I shook, like I crossed my hands like I did right now and I just shook my head because I'm like, if only she was nice. <laughs> I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but really there's a vibe, isn't it? What does nice mean? There's a vibe. What do we really mean? There's like, I just wish she was a nice person. Like, oh, if only she was a nice person because her level, what are we saying right there? Her spiritual development, her mental development, that was so corrupted. It's like this. This. This is the epitome of girlhood, girlhood psychology. Like, if if you're, and by the way, they're like they're not sixteen. They're, she's like probably close to thirty, probably late twenties. If you get to your late thirties and you're still bitching about people behind their back, you're still dis- trash talking people, disrespecting people for really no reason. Even if you thought there was a reason, that's still no way to talk about people. Like the way that they're just throwing swear words around and just trashing them. The reason why I haven't said what they're saying here is just I just want to be careful just in case they ever came across this or it got out or some of the personal trainers came across it or whatever. I'm just being careful with that. But you get the idea, right? They're just being uh, shit blokes for lack of better terms. And it's like you still haven't come to the place in realizing that if you put out a negative energy, you're going to receive that. You put out negative vibes, you're going to receive that. But this is not a taking world it's not a taking world in which that you can just you know, dominate people with these mindsets of i'm better than you and that that would somehow make you feel fulfilled and happy in the end no it's going to make you feel sad and lonely in the end right that that's going to push people away from you it's already pushed me away from you and you don't even know me yet i just overhear that and go i don't want a piece of this person like i wish you I wish you all the best. I wish you all the treasure in this world on your journey of development, but I don't want to spend a single second around you because of your level of unconsciousness and unawareness. I will not allow that to infiltrate my temple and possibly color me and affecting the people around my temple or my journey. So you've already pushed someone away from you that you don't even know yet. That could have helped you in some way. That could have made you, uh, helped you to realize something about yourself that you could have gone on a journey with. So this is, here we go. Here we go with the energy of things. Again, we're putting out energy all the time. We're putting out vibes all the time. You know when someone walks into the room and this person's a bad person. 
And when I say bad, we're talking about bad intent. They want to hurt someone. You know when someone, I walked past a guy on the street the other day where I was like, this guy wanted to hurt someone. It's like he was walking by, he was like this, this very overweight dude, had like this dirty hoodie on, dirty track pants, was carrying a bottle of milk, and he just looked, he looked, not only was he grubby on the outside, but he was grubby on the inside. You could tell through the look in his eyes. He's like, ugh, ugh. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. Like, well, okay. <laughs> I was being comical then. What did I actually do? What's the actual, what's the actual tactic? How do you actually receive someone like that in the street? Which is that, okay, this is going to be very specific to who you are. Like, I wouldn't recommend this for my 13-year-old daughter, but as a 29-year-old male who can defend himself, which is that I meet him in the eyes, but I meet him with compassion, firm compassion though, which is I look him in the eyes and I say, hey, how you going? But I make sure that I communicate through my eyes that you don't, you don't want to mess or you don't want to create a conflict here. It's like I'm being nice with you because I'm expecting you to be nice back to me here. That is much better than just looking away and presenting yourself as a weak target. Now, there are some times where there are some people that it look like they're so close to snapping that you definitely don't want to make that level of direct eye contact. It's very much based on the level of threat, whether you really feel like this person. So it's it's experiential. Like it's nuance-based. I'm saying to you in this situation, I felt comfortable that if he were to start something, I would have been able to either run away much faster than him or defend myself if that was... And by the way, some of you might think, why wasn't fight the first option? Fight should never be the first option. Go back to the number one reason why is that you're not Bruce Lee. <laughs> you're not, you're not um, John Van Damme. Is it Claude? John Van Damme? Yeah, it is. For some reason, Claude was in there. Is Claude his middle name? You're not Van Damme. You're not an action hero. There are real consequences to getting into a fight. There's legal litigation you have to go through. Broken, you want to break a hand, you want to break a hand, you want to break an elbow of a random guy on the street. You want to potentially get stabbed. You want to potentially, like, listen, all these things. When you're a 16 year old, you think you want to do this. Like, you, you see the movies, you think you're The Rock, you think you're Jet Li. But then when it gets, in, if you just get into one altercation in the street, what you realize is that, or you know someone who gets into an altercation in the street. There was a guy in my state who is a very famous case in Adelaide, South Australia who on Hindley Street, the main night strip here, he got king hit by someone on the street and he died. He took one punch to the back of the head and he suffered a, I think, is it a delayed aneurysm? I believe is, I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. He didn't wake up the next day, I believe. Or he went home, he was okay, he went home, didn't wake up the next day. There are real consequences to getting into street fights. So it should always be, fight should always be the last resort. And, even if you want to take it from me, you know why I heard this first? Jocko Willink, legendary US Navy SEALs commander. This is his number one tactic. Whenever I've ever heard him describe his uh, tips on street fighting is to run. Run first. Well, de-escalate first, and then if de-escalation cannot be achieved, run. Right? You do not want to get into a street fight. Trust me. It should be a last resort always. But you should be prepared to. And so when I was getting into the story was that with this guy walking down the street is that I'm, I know that I could outrun this guy easily, but I also know that if I, for some reason, couldn't run, I could probably handle myself against him as well. He's, he is very overweight, but I'm sure if I, if I caught him with an elbow, if I caught him with a, a check right, I, or if even, I wouldn't really want to grapple with this type of guy. There are many things I could do, though, to maintain the distance, maintain the dam- manage the damage, as Gracie likes to say. He who manages the distance manages the damage. 
So I know what what, what I was capable of here. I know what potential could happen here. So I'm willing to make eye contact with him. Well, how did we even get into this topic? How did we even get into this topic? Oh, putting out bad vibes. There we go. Putting out bad vibes. People are putting out vibes, I think, is the only reason why I brought that up because we're going back off those girls at the girl at the, at the gym. Okay, I know we got on a mad tangent there. Let's bring it right back up, which is that. I'm sorry if I didn't finish the point on that guy, but whatever, I think it's done. She was the sexiest of sexiest physically that you, you'll see, right? But the filthiest of personalities, the filthiest of spirits. And I mean that in the true dirty nature, like there's a spirit underneath, there's a diamond of a spirit underneath that. I believe that exists within all human beings. We each have diamonds existing within each other. We each have diamonds that exist within us. But some of us have so much dirt covering it that you just cannot for the light of day see it. You cannot see it. And with this girl, you could not see even a glimmer of that diamond within her. And so that's where you have the compassion. The compassion point of that, I know this girl could be so brilliant, but really right now she is, it's, it's just disgraceful. It's just disgraceful, her mentalities. And so the attraction gets turned off. And that's where this point comes from. Because for teenagers and 16-year-olds listen to this, you think you want the absolute physical diamond. You think you want the physical diamond. You think you want the girl that is on the 80K, 150K, 350K followers on Instagram because she puts out photos of her, uh, if not 98% naked all the time. And you think it's that girl that you want. It's like, listen, some of those girls might be great girls. Might be. I know a couple that are. I know a couple. I know particularly models that I worked with who are also physically very attractive and actually really good people. It does happen. It does exist. But I wouldn't say it's regular. Like I wouldn't say it's the majority. I wouldn't say it is. Because why? Because that world of dealing in the flesh is so liable to corruption that it takes the, the sweetest of the sweet, the saintest of the saint to maintain their quality spiritually, mentally. So, so I think we've excavated this pretty well at this point to ham this right back together. Three different spaces of attraction. How? Why I decided to go into that, I'd be 100% honest with you guys, I have no idea. That's okay because we can move on. We can just roll forward here. And the way that we're going to roll on towards maybe maybe a summary or maybe we start to wrap this up here. Yeah. I was thinking about when I was prepping up for this podcast was that what would I say to my 16-year-old self? What would I say to my 16-year-old son if I had one right now? It's this. Forget about what anyone else is doing. If you're 16 years old right now, you must get on the journey. This is the latest point where it's acceptable to say you have not been on the journey so far and that's okay. If you got up to 16 and you have not taken conscious command of your mentalities and your principles, not only in regards to how you will manage yourself, but how you will manage yourself in relation to others, your journey of self-cultivation, your journey of social dynamics, your journey of learning to build a temple based upon purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcended by an inner knowing, a knowing of true nature. If you get to late 16, 16-ish, and you haven't done anything in regards to conscious awareness of what I just said, that's okay. Every year that goes on after that, you are signing a contract to the machine. As I described with the ego, when we just when we were going deep on the managing of one's beast and the harnessing of one's beast, if you would, the same concept now applies in regards to our society in 21st century, which is that 
It's a machine, make no mistake. Mainstream education is a machine. Churning out, churning out workers. That was the, that was the design post-World War II. That's the reason why classrooms have not changed since post-World War II. We have this really ineffective way of teaching kids in which they're forced to sit down at tables and be silent for eight hours a day and raise your hand if you wish to speak. And It's completely incongruent to how human beings interact with the world. And then you have one teacher at the top who is mildly interested in what they're discussing. I know it's, it's just broken. It's just so broken, the education system in general. But it's, it's got a purpose. It's got a purpose. It's a machine to churn out workers. Mainstream anything, really, if you want to look at it. I'm not, I'm not sure how deep I want to go into this. We'll, we'll, we'll survey it. Mainstream media, mainstream nutrition, mainstream sexuality, mainstream dating. It's all a machine. It's all a machine that is designed to make money. With this dystopian view, that if you're hearing me and you're saying, hmm, okay. If you're telling me, Adam, that there's nothing to look forward to in mainstream society, how would I not become a nihilistic nihilistic fuck how would i not become a nihilistically viewed perspective type person in which that there is no meaning to life because on offer is for you to manage the machine you may control the machine the machine relies upon you being unaware of the fact that there is a machine if you're not aware that when you walk through the supermarket that almost 90% of what's in that supermarket is designed to make you sick so that they could sell you back the solution. That they understand, Food companies understand very well that things like processed carbohydrates, high fructose corn syrup, seed oils, right, all this processed bullshit, they know full well that that stuff will make human beings sick. It is very well documented, it's very well understood that rates of diabetes, cancer, right, heart disease... All of these things, advents within our industrialized world. It's no mistake that there is also a business on the back end on selling you the solution to those very same diseases. The amount of money it costs to go through cancer treatment, to go through diabetes, to get to be on insulin injections for the rest of your life, to be someone who's constantly having to go through the medical system. It's a money-making business. If you don't see that yet, so that every time you slam a Snickers bar in your mouth, it's like you, you're part of the machine. The machine's controlling you. The machine's running you. Now, it's a different thing if every now and again, because you have woken up and you realize that, okay, I understand that actually the only things that are designed that it would make a human being feel good is things that are whole foods that either had parents, so animals, or things that came off a tree, but not things that came out of a processing line or process plant that are laced with these seed oils and these microplastics. Oh, man. Okay, you understand that. And then, okay, once every now and again, for the fun of it, because it was your friend's birthday, it was a Christmas or whatever, and you had a slice of pizza, or you went to Macca's and you got a burger. But that's your literal 1%. 99% of the time, you are in full command of your nutrition, what you put into your body, which dictates the quality of your thought process, right? We have, if you want to think about it, we have three brains, right? You have the nervous system that exists within your mind. 
You have the nervous system that exists within your gut. You have the nervous system that exists within your heart. Studied, well-documented. Nervous trappings, uh, nervous net, nervous networks that exist within these three, they interrelate, they talk to each other. You have an inflammation in one of them, it will sort of cause signal to the other and likely cause inflammation to the rest of the body. We are one holistic functioning unit. If you're going to willingly invite inflammation, but then again, we have to take that word willingly back now, don't we? Because when it comes to this discussion of the machine, if you're going to play the machine's game, which is to be controlled, and I'm not uh, encouraging some type of uh, anarchism. I'm not encouraging you to change the system. I'm saying opt out. Opt out of being controlled by the system. You control the system yourself. You do everything you can within the system to control yourself. So you can make the antithesis likely you can go you can drill this down right down even to our response to covid if you had done the antithesis of what they recommended throughout covid you would have been much much better off oh lock down and stay inside all day what did we find out oh majority of people that su- suffer severe cases of covid have vitamin d deficiency okay people have not been getting out in the sun oh what is it 70 to 80% of the most severe cases in the US just in particular who contracted covid Obese. Oh, what do we say? Locked down. If you had done the antithesis of what they said, stay inside, don't move around. If you had got, what about even just going outside? What did we find out? Oh, and they, they never made apologies for any of this, by the way. They never corrected it either. They didn't say, oh, by the way, turns out that actually this disease almost exclusively spreads within indoors, within unventilated areas. Poorly ventilated areas. Our bad guys should have spent all day outside. What about for those lunatics in California who said you can't go to the beach? They even said that to me here, actually, here in Adelaide. Lunatics down here. If what I'm painting here, if you had done the antithesis of what they said for the majority of things. When they said any mask is fine, scarfs, fucking dirty rag, what if <laughs> pillowcase? That's fine. That'll be good. What What about Fauci in the beginning? Don't wear a mask. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, it just goes on. When they said, when they said, there is no effective prophylactic or preemptive treatment, you find out hydroxychloroquine, uh, or am I even allowed to say that? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say these anymore. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but let me say hydroxy, IVM, uh, monoclonal antis, trying to use the different words, a host, a host of different things here, the host of different protocols that have been used in other countries, while particularly in Asia, who didn't fall prey to the authoritarianism that you saw in Western countries, but particularly in places like India, Japan, different Asian countries, uh, uh, Brazil as well, Spain, they just tried things a little bit different, the antithesis actually of what Western pe- people were doing and found results. It's just, it went on and on and on. So, if you take the same antithesis uh, mentality towards now, mainstream food, do the opposite of what mainstream foods is. When mainstream food is saying, oh, eat a whole, eat as much of your diet from plant, plant-based nutrition as possible, even though we know that it is not even comparable to the level of bioavailability when it comes to nutrients as animal-based. Straight facts. Straight facts. The amount of, like you might say, okay, yeah, I can get all my protein from broccoli. You don't need a fuckload of broccoli to get your protein from broccoli. <laughs> 
and you're going to be intoxicating yourself with an incredible amount of plant toxins. I don't want to get into a, now I'm not getting into a debate with vegans here. If you want to be vegan, that's totally your choice. And I'm not saying that's being part of the machine. What I'm saying is that if you are going to be so unaware as to delegate all of your nutritional choices to the mainstream boards who once vilified saturated fat, even though we've been eating it for hundreds and thousands of years, that actually our main source of fat was saturated fat coming from animals in general throughout most of our human development. Yeah, they said fat was bad. And then we found out that actually sugar researchers and people invested in sugar research and sugar products were paid off to vilify fat. Well studied, well studied. I'm sorry, we can get really deep in the weeds here. I've got to back up from all this because it's just getting too deep. The point here is that often the antithesis of what mainstream media tells you is actually what would leave you better off. Can be said in many, many realms, many, many perspectives. Coming back to this conversation on the machine. When the machine says, chase the money, chase the cars, chase the house, your validation exists within your opinions of your neighbors and your friends and your family. If you were to do the antithesis of that, you'd be a much, much happier human being. That there is no debate. That there is zero debate. You may be a sugar whore, you may be a fat whore, you may be a plant whore, you may be an animal whore, you may be a whore of mainstream university education, which is severely corrupt through wokeism right now. You may be a whore of many things. But one thing that none of us can agree is a good thing to be a whore about is the fact that you would succumb your purpose in life, your reason for existence, to the validation of another human being or structure, societal structure, a group. The very reason why so many people are so unhappy is because somewhere along the way, they signed that contract saying that, no, I give up now. I give up now. It's a heavy silence, isn't it? For those that have forsaken their path in life, that no longer live for the reason which that they have designed for themselves and they ask someone else to give that to them. They confine themselves to a life of limited potential, to limits. Not foraying and endeavoring to adventure into the fullest expression of what they could possibly create in this world. Yet they only have one life and we all know, at least in this manifestation. So, what are you doing? This has become a very, very large discussion, really not even targeted at teenagers, really just targeted at everyone now. But teenagers must take heed. It's not to say don't become a doctor or become a lawyer. Become an aware doctor, an aware lawyer. There's a brilliant quote I heard recently. Some people say that this this world wasn't made for me. Some people say that this world wasn't made for me. And they're right. This world wasn't made for you. You were made for it. You were made to change it. For those of you that feel like you don't fit in the world, that even just hearing the last half an hour of this podcast, you found connection points going, yeah, okay. It seems that mainstream media is, or mainstream society is always pushing me towards it's taking mentality, this external mentality, this online dating mentality, this pornography mentality, this validation-heavy mentality. And that seems to be the, the direction points. If not that, 
it's also, it's also particularly for masculine beings, mainstream society is pushing me towards this watered down puddle of masculine energy that's just weak, just weak, in which that you have no leading principles, you have no directness, in which that you have to ask to even hold a girl's hand. You know how ridiculous that is? You hear the politicians up in the up in Parliament House saying, yes, 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 you must. It's just respectful to ask to hold her hand. It's like, what the fucking planet do you live on? Not once in my life have I ever had, had to ask a girl to hold her hand or had a girl say to me, you should have asked me to hold my hand. <laughs> it's, I remember walking by, I remember walking by a, uh, a, a, an address from a politician once, like it was on the TV and my mom was watching as well and and or maybe she was like briefly watching. She was like kind of half in, half out. And the politician was saying, yes, it's just respectful to ask to, to hold a woman's hand, to, t- to touch a woman. It's just respectful to ask her. And this was, they're talking about affirmative consent. And by the way, I'm not against affirmative consent. I'm against the wokeism of it. I'm against taking it to such a degree in which that you're corrupting the very fundamentals of human behavior. And then I said, I, very, I just turned around and I said to my mom, hey, mom, have you ever said to a man, I need you to ask me to hold my hand? She cracked out laughing. She just burst into laughter. And I said, that's right. I said, that's right. Hey, uh, have you ever, to any of my girlfriends, to any of my girlfriends, and I don't mean just like ones that I've been romantically involved with, to any of my girl slash friends as well, have you ever had to say to a guy, hey, you should have asked to kiss me. Hey, hey, you should have asked to have sex with me, even sex. Now, now we're getting into even deeper, deeper waters here. I don't want to be portrayed as a bad guy here, misportrayed at all. Consent is always being communicated between a masculine and feminine being. It is very rarely verbal. For all of our existence, all of our development, right? we consent through our sublingual, subcommunicated body behavior, our comfortability in the space. If a woman is uncomfortable with what you are doing physically, she will let you know. And she might not, and most of the time, she would do it without saying, hey, that's too far. Or, hey, that's too much. If she has to say that's too much or that's too far, you've already completely stepped way over the line. But a girl would have let you know well before that, which is not to say that she's at fault for not saying it verbally. Not, no, not at all. What I'm saying is that the guy would be at fault for not having read the subcommunicated body language when she got frozen, when she got tighter, when she was not forgiving and forewilling with her own sexual expression. This is just, but it's such, it sounds so ridiculous for me to have to say that if I went to go hold a girl's hand and either she pulled her hand away or when I took her hand, she didn't grab back, like she didn't equalize the connection. And if I've received either of those cues, so a watered down cue or no cue at all, an absence of a cue, then I would realize, okay, that was probably too far for her. And I wouldn't try to do it again. I'll wait for more comfort to build. If I went to kiss a girl and she gave me the cheek, I wouldn't try and force her to kiss me. What is is this ridiculous idea that politicians seem to think is the general behavior of men? That they're all just these if off if left unchecked, if left without rigorous legal litigation and legal rules, binding rules that have terms and sentences and fines are placed upon them, that they will not act integrally. It's like the perception of masculine energy is it's, it's an abomination. It really is an abomination. And by the way, this is not me excusing or not me trying to divert from those who are truly heinous. That you would go, yeah, this guy is a bad guy. I know that I know that there's 
guys that will commit domestic violence. I know there are guys that will commit where it's rape, where there was trust. You know, it's not what I'm talking about there. It's not a rape in which that he pulled her off the street out of her car. It was her best friend. It was her, the guy that she had grown up knowing all her life. You know, it was, it was someone that she was in a really good connection with and he just lost the, lost the will. Sorry, lost the handle on the wheel. I know there are lower communicated forms of sexual abuse as well, but this is not every guy. This is by definitely not every, if it was every guy, society would have collapsed a long time ago. It's like you need to have a balance in this conversation is what I'm saying here, which is why I get very passionate about it because I see both sides. I see the necessity to have to tell guys that and to not only empower women to be able to say no and to be able to speak up when things are not well balanced and peaceful and harmonious. Yes, empower women to do that. Absolutely. And yes, also make awareness of the fact that there are guys doing bad things. Yes. But at the same time, do not get so ideologically woke with it to the point where you have to say, we need a written document to be able to hold a woman's hand. We need a written document to be able to say, yes, we can have sex now. You need to ask her to have sex first. It is just one of the fundamental corruptions. It's like, I cannot imagine a single girl I've ever been with that would have continued, that would have wanted to have sex with me if I asked her, can we have sex now? Is it okay if we have sex now? See you later. (laughs) I'll see this guy later. It's like, did this guy get both his balls cut off? Did did this guy go to the University of Woke? What? Asking me to... It's like, you didn't have to ask me, Jeffrey, because I've been telling you the entire time through my progression of sending social cues. That is the dance of masculine and feminine energy is that from the lowest level of holding someone's hand to putting your hand around their hip to hand around the shoulder to kissing them for the first time for a deep hug to the removal of the first piece of clothing to just breathing with each other to getting into the beating of hearts of each other. You know, to that deep intimate caress body to body naked finally. Then all of that step, everything I just went through has been either a yes or no through the handhold, through the hug hold, through the removing of clothing. There has always been a yes or no there, but it was never had to be said. Why? Because human beings are far more adept, are far more expressive with their sublingual communication, eye contact, body language, vocal tonality, projection. It's just that I don't understand. And I know that well, I'm losing, I know most of you right now are going, okay, okay yeah, of course, like, Common sense. It's common sense what I've been describing. And this is the thing about wokeism and ideologically woke ideas is that they know it too. They know they know that it's irrational to have to say, is it okay if I have sex now? They know that that would actually turn the woman off. That's the point. The point is, is that they are... It, that the rationality is was never the point. That is the point, is that their ideas about climate change, about this new world order, this, this new agenda, this great reset, this new way of living under this authoritarian scheme to the point in which that they control your every single little thought and behavior to the way in which that we even have sex. That the point was that it was never supposed to be rational. It's supposed to be, what's the point? You're either on our team or you're not. You're either woke or you're not. And that's what it is. That's what it's about. And listen, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry that this pot that the podcast went to this place. But it's it's to be said. It's to be said because our schools are being infiltrated with this ridiculous, ridiculous corruption of human principles. I get particularly upset about it when they try to interrupt organic human dynamics. Like I said, 
I'm all aware. I'm all about the awareness for domestic violence. I'm all about the awareness for making sure that guys know how to respect and be honorable with women. And part of being respectful and honorable with women is respecting the trust they place in them. Right? It is disrespectful to a girl. And I've spoken about this many times in the podcast. It's disrespectful to, to go to a girl and to stop leading when she wants you to lead. When she's done everything she could subcommunicatingly to tell you to lead and you won't. Right? This is what I say with the right heart, the wrong mind. How Mr. Nice Guys can do just as much damage. Right? They do just as much damage. They can, they can burn relationships just as much. And I see this with clients on the day-to-day in which that the girl was asking them to lead, the girl was telling them to lead, if not directly, indirectly. By words, by saying such as, hey, I'm not really doing anything tonight. Or, hey, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, got, got some time to kill, you know. Or, hey, I'm, I actually don't have to get up very early tomorrow morning. And it's like, okay, so, okay, kiss me. Would you kiss me? Because... I'm not going to step out on a limb here and kiss you first. I really like you. You better fucking kiss me. And it's just like, she's literally got a sitting in your lap. She's literally unbuttoning your, your checkered shirt. She's rubbing the inside of your chest and you still won't do it because of your anxiousness, because of your nerves. Because why? Because society had told you, you better fucking ask her first to ask if it's okay to kiss her. But that makes you so scared. That makes you so anxious. Because what if I don't do it right? What if I say that and she doesn't like me? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not willing to pull the trigger anymore. Because you've been infiltrated by this wokeism. And then she's sitting there going, what the fuck is this guy so worried about? I'm literally telling this guy with every single possible subcommunicated body language and move I could possibly gesture that it's okay to kiss me, but he's not kissing me. Why? Because he's in sitting there in his mind going, do I have to ask her if I can kiss her? <laughs> you see how this is so fucked up? Oh my gosh, it's just cooked. It's so cooked. So here's the final point here to anyone. This is not even just teenagers, but it's very important for teenagers learning about it. It's like, don't be asking girls, is it okay to kiss you? Is it okay to hold your hand? Right? You don't need to be asking, even to that point of, is it okay if we have sex? You will never have sex with anyone. If you go around (laughs) saying, is it okay if we have sex? Because this is the thing, man, is that it's the most unattractive thing you could do shows such a lack of confidence, such a lack of confidence, such a lack of social acuity to be able to read the room, read the energy, to be able to read her energy, to be able to read her social dynamics, to know whether she's comfortable or not. It's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's it's so nonsensical that you have to laugh at it. Like you have to be ridiculous. But I'm also very aware of those that would get too red pilly with it, that would get too like, oh, well, fuck these people then I'll just be this fucking alpha dominator and I wouldn't even care about the girl no not that either not the true misogynist either not the not the fucking pink ribbon puddle of masculinity which is just a pile of soft cheese melted in the sun but also not the iron wielding misogynist that's trying to destroy women how about just the guy in the middle, the good guy, whereas I have care for her, I have care for myself, I'm going to be direct with her, I'm going to be congruent with her, I'll be authentic with her, I cover with empathy, right? I respect her, I respect myself, I'll be honorable with her, I'll be honorable with myself. If she's uncomfortable, back it up, find out why, don't overstep it. If, she, if it's something to do with her own internal trauma, seek to understand why, right? Seek to understand this space, keep it where it is, right? Keep it clean, keep it pure, dance between masculine and feminine energy. How about that? How about just be that guy? 
You don't have to be this caricature of iron-wielding misogyny or soft cheese in the sun, wokest, soft men. You don't have to be that or that. There is a way in the middle, which I've described in this podcast rather eloquently up until this point. It's only just now that I've kind of, I let the bull out the yard. <laughs> I let things get a little hectic here at the end. That's okay. We'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it back up with some eloquence. We'll keep it elegante. We'll keep it elegante. So with the elegant of things, <laughs> so elegant. This is the final message to that 16-year-old or to that teenager. As you can see, the world is a complicated place, but you don't have to be. The world will try and pull you in many ways. You don't have to be pulled in many ways. There is a center, there's a grounding, there's a place within you, which you may find that can be known as a temple that you would endeavor every day of your life to live through supreme excellence so as to come to understand yourself so that you could give the best of a human experience to another. Through the awakening and the enlightenment of your principles to journey from boyhood to manhood psychology, to journey the journeys on the best of your journey, on the best of your paths, to ensure that you would not leave a wake of pain, but a lot of joy. To live with love. To heal with peace. To be able to look back on a life and say, that was a good life. That was a good life. Forget about the external. Forget about your TikTok and your Instagrams. Develop yourself. Focus on your development. When it comes to sexuality, social dynamics, dating, relationships, seek to understand Seek the instruction of those who are your elder, those who are much older than you, not just in terms of women. Of course, those who have sound minds, such as my own, that would help to guide you onto paths like this, but particularly with women. If you're a man, a uh, younger boy, listen to this. 16-year-old boy, seek out 19-year-old, 20-year-olds. Go to, go to venues and go to activities and environments in which that you would be exposed to older energies to help you to mature faster, to help you to grow quicker to help you to be real, shown the bullshit of your ways faster. Keep that open, open-minded open skepticism. Don't even take anything that I've said here for verbatim. Take what I've said here, test it, trial it, find your way. I'm not your guru, I'm not your model, I'm not your idol. I'm just, as I said before, that structure of feedback. And that feedback, and that, that place in which that you can find some sense of rationality in this hyper-irrational world. And I hope just at the end of the day, I hope that, that you're the guy that I'd want my daughter to be with. You're jealous, you're needy, you're insecure. I don't want that guy with my, girl, my daughter. You're narcissistic, you're abusive. You're self-absorbed to the point of which that you can't even recognize the brilliance in another. I don't want you with my daughter. You're chasing the frivolous things in this world. You're chasing the fruits in this world to make yourself feel better, to mask over the trauma that you have not dealt with in yourself. I don't want you with my daughter. The person that I want with my daughter is the one that has come to know himself. 
come to know that he is a journey, a state of eternal imperfection, yet accepts that and continues to work anyway towards perfection. Your temple will never be done. Your journey will never be over. However, the journey will always be your journey. And I hope that you would seek to, as I said before, walk the best of journeys on the best of paths. And with that, I send you off right here. It's been a time. It's been a real time. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy. Ja. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, bowl sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.